Hi there, my name is Ian McNaughton, and this is episode two of the last great Stanley Cup Finals, a Speak Your Peace series. In this series, we're reviewing the 2011 Stanley Cup Finals on the 10-year anniversary of each game. On this episode, SYP creator Scott Conkin and I break down the Vancouver Canucks 3-2 overtime victory against the Boston Bruins in Game 2 of the 2011 Stanley Cup Finals, thanks to Alex Burrow scoring the game winner. In case you missed the first episode, you can go back and listen on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. You can also watch full video episodes on our YouTube channel, so be sure to like each video and subscribe to the channel. Thanks again for your support along the way to make these episodes happen. Enjoy! Welcome back. This is episode two of the last great Stanley Cup Finals ever. Uh, this is game two uh, between the Boston Bruins and Vancouver Canucks 2011 Stanley Cup Finals. Uh, joining us for this podcast is SYP creator Scott. Scott, um, we talk, We did game one earlier with Keith and Rob. Yep. Now we're doing game two. Um, what was what, watching this game? What did you think was different from game one to game two? What, what do you think was the biggest difference in this game? Game one was, well, I mean, without obviously, you know, saying it was a defensive war without a doubt, um, mm-hmm. being one nothing scoreline. Game two, there was, I just remember 10 years ago, there was a certain sense of like, okay, we've got game one. Let's see, you know, let's see what happens here. The Bruins, obviously, is a good team. Um, but fact is, as, as a Canuck fan at the time, um, yeah. <clears throat> there was a certain sense of like, if we can win this game and take at least one in Boston, I think we're winning the cup. And obviously now we know the score. They, they, they Canucks won the game three, two, um, not to spoil anything or whatever. But... No, no, they won three, two in overtime. Like it, yeah, it's, 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 it's out, time. it's out there. Um, fact is like, it was just, I think there was a lot of nerves in game one game two. Everyone kind of settled in and played like they should. And it was it was a very Vancouver versus Boston game, essentially. That like just how the game, the flow of the game was, it was just very like Vancouver Boston. Like some of the other games that were absolute blowouts, that's not typical. Like game seven, game three were both blowouts, I believe. Um, there weren't typical games, but anyway. I was gonna say the nice part about this game compared to the last game was that game one it was a one nothing overtime game. Like it was still like it was a, a fun one nothing overtime game. Like recently, as we record this, uh, Vegas Minnesota just played game one of their playoff series recently, and it was a fun, exciting one nothing you know competitive hockey game. And that ended in overtime. Mm-hmm. So you can have these you know competitive one nothing games, but it's much more exciting when it's three two. There's some goal scoring. There's a bit more of a momentum. There wasn't really a momentum swing. In game one, I thought I thought it was just very competitive, you know, all together. But you could sense there were momentum swings in game two when it came to the Bruins taking the lead and then Vancouver having to fight back and then Vancouver winning shortly in overtime. Yeah. So it, this one, I think it should, it'll still be a good podcast. It'll also just be a, a little bit more exciting, I would say, compared to the first one. I think they're both really good, but. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And I think the first one was good that you brought on two other guests with different, with more of Canucks by ESCs, if you will. Um, Keith, Keith, Bernard, and Ravish Dolly Wall. Both yeah. Um, I, again, like you said, it's, there's more to talk about here and it's going to be, 
yeah, so I think let's get into it and see. So let me hit you with some fun facts. Uh, Alex Burrow's scoring 11 seconds into the overtime period. That makes it the second fastest Stanley Cup final overtime goal all time. Uh, Brian Scrunland uh, had the fastest overtime goal in playoff history, scoring nine seconds in the game two of the 1986 Stanley Cup final for the Montreal Canadiens against the Calgary Flames. So we'll, we'll talk about, but there's three guys I want to talk about uh, sure. in this game, but Burroughs is definitely going to be one of them later on, but I wanted oh, to throw sure. that out there. He, he yeah. had two goals in this game, including the game winner. Um, this was one of three career two goal playoff games for Burroughs. Uh, the other one was game four in the 2009 playoffs in their first round matchup against St. Louis and then game seven of the, tw- of the first round matchup in 2011 oh, against Chicago. Slay the dragon. Yeah. Play the dragon. Yeah. I, so, yeah. So, Van- I figured that would be one of them. Yeah. so Vancouver won both of those games. Uh, Vancouver also won this game and four of his eight career multi-point playoff games came in 2011 uh, again against Chicago, Nashville, I believe, and then Boston. Just a, Maybe. Just a fun yeah. fact. Um, this was also the game where Manny Mahalcher played in after his return. Oh, That's right. He, he got a hit in the eye. Was it late in the regular season or was it early playoffs? Late March against the Colorado Avalanche, where it was just this weird right. play where it was like, you know, just tip it in on the dump in and then the puck he was at center ice and then the puck came up and hit him in the face hit him in the eye uh and then that was on march 16th 2011 now this game is happening june 4th so he's missed two plus months of action and you could sense the energy and the just the vibe is better with Mahalcher in the lineup he, you know he is just the fourth line gritty centerman who's taken face-offs but you know, it, it, it's still a big addition for the Canucks in this game. No, absolutely. I agree with you there for sure. Yeah, uh, again, he's he's the guy that's going to – well, I mean, he was only 50% in the game. But, I again, he's – to me, he's automatic in the draw. He's going to win everything. He's just so good. And I think he, he was he was or is the Canucks face-off coach, I believe. I think was. I think he's in Toronto now. Oh, I think he, he, yeah. he might he might be the video coach uh, with Toronto. I just want to pull that up before yeah. we move on. But he, he is working as an assistant coach. Assistant coach. And I guarantee you he works with guys with centermen in the faceoff. Assist, assistant coach with the Toronto Maple Leafs right now. There you go. Yeah. Um, yeah. On the Boston side of things, yeah. uh, the, Boston, the Boston Red Sox moved their game. So on June 4th, they had a game against the Oakland Athletics at Fenway Park which they moved from 7.10 p.m. Eastern time to 1.10 p.m. Eastern time to allow right. Bruins fans to watch both games, which I thought is kind of cool. We're both baseball guys. We like baseball. It's nice when you see other sports trying to accommodate and trying accommodate to, for that. Yeah. Try, try to help one another. No, absolutely. And it's it's a surprise. Usually, like, weekend, because this was on a Saturday. This was Hawking in Canada Saturday night. Um, I'm surprised that the ball game wasn't earlier anyway, because normally yeah. ball games are earlier like generally speaking on weekends, like you always see the Jays, they never play at 7 p.m. on a Saturday. They always play at one or Jay, 10. I was going to say Jays are one of the few teams that do like the like matinee Saturday, Sunday games too, which is nice. Right, right. Which is really nice. Yeah. I know, yeah. I know Seattle usually does a Saturday night game, but it just depends on the week and scheduling and all that. But good for good on the Red Sox. For sure. uh, so the Red Sox beat the A's nine to eight in 14 innings. So the actual wow. game time uh was five hours and 10 minutes so it finished approximately about two hours i think before game two 
uh, actually started between the Bruins and the Canucks. So it's a good thing they did move the start time because otherwise yeah, it would have been a mess. Yeah, good day to be a Boston sports fan right there. Oh, yeah. Um, so Tyler Sagan. Yes. Really fascinating player. So Tyler Sagan for the Boston yep. Bruins. He was just drafted in the previous draft. Yep. He had just 8.46, excuse me, time on ice in game two, which is the third lowest total of all Bruins in game two. Andrew Alberts had, I think, 11 minutes of ice time in this game. Andrew Alberts, I think, had more ice time than Tyler Sagan. But I want I wanted to discuss this with you. So he had at least 10 minutes or more of ice time in five of the 2011 Eastern Conference Final games against Tampa Bay. Right. And let me give you, I want to give you a running total of Tyler Sagan. So he had, a, he had six minutes and 21 second total ice time in game one against Vancouver. He had eight minutes, 46 in game two. Yep. He, had, he didn't even play game three because of Sean Thornton. Right. We'll talk about that later on. He had seven minutes, 48 seconds in game four against Vancouver, 9.02 in game five. He did right. play 10 minutes and more in six and seven. Right. I, this was one of the players I wanted to have this conversation about with you is Tyler Sagan. So, I remember this at the time. It was a weird mesh with Sagan being a rookie mm-hmm. and a vet, and you have a veteran team in Claude Julian. What do you remember or your thoughts about the Tyler Sagan experience um, in Boston during this time? I just remember, remember he was picked second overall to a Bruins team who had traded for this pick and gave up Phil Kessel to Toronto. So this essentially was Toronto's pick. And, Toronto at the time was garbage. It was absolute garbage. And now they're, they're a great team now. And that's, you know, that's whatever. So point is that the Bruins were just adding another electric piece to their already unreal team. And I think it's a lot like what's happening in Montreal with Cole Caulfield right now, as of recording right now, I'm watching the Montreal Toronto game here. Caulfield's not playing. Neither is Romanov, but I compare him to Caulfield through both forwards or both right-hand shots, whatever point is like Sagan should personally I believe Sagan should be playing more but again you have to in a in the playoffs with a team like the Bruins who has a great amount of depth you can kind of like play players to their strengths and Sagan's strength isn't playing that hard physical game that you would quote normally see from the Bruins and that's what Sean Thornton brings to the fold right so with that in mind, again, taking a sports psychology class right now, and you want to really emphasize what a player's strength is so they'll be able to perform to the best of their ability. Say again in game three, because because I think what, Sean Thornton played game three instead of Sagan. Instead right? of Sagan. We'll, we'll discuss it later on in game three, but Shorten comes, uh, Thornton comes in, replaces Sagan. It's in, it's, at, it's in TD Garden. The Bruins are home. They're down 2-0. They got some swagger. Now they get some mojo with Sean Thornton coming in. It, and again, he, he provides that physical bite that Sagan just doesn't. And I think the Bruins wanted to make that switch. So the, the Bruins could really run the Canucks into the ground in game three. And again, we know what happened after that. But back to Sagan here, it's like his ice time and ice did go up throughout the series, which is encouraging. I think that's definitely, you know, an important thing is to get your rookies into, into play more and more. And um but yeah, great experience for him. Good for him winning the cup in his first year. Um, I'm sure it's made him even hungrier to do it again as a more um, impactful player now with Dallas. And I'm sure he'll get another one at some point in his career, but time will tell. 
I was going to say, it, it's definitely like the, the, the team identity at the time was not yeah. playing Tyler Sagan, even though he is better than Sean Thornton, maybe even as the second overall pick and as a rookie, he might be a, a better overall hockey player than Sean Thornton. Yeah. It's just a matter of what the Bruins are trying to do and their style of play that they're going after. Oh, 100%. Um, and, and I don't, I'm not surprised it didn't work out with Sagan in Boston. I wish it did because they could obviously use a guy like Sagan right now, just another talented scoring option. Well, there's, you know, there's another side piece to that is that now Taylor Hall, who was the first pick in that draft, is now a Bruin. And look what he's doing there. So it just, it just makes you wonder. It's just crazy how life works and where situations will take you. Um, so other fun facts. So Burroughs got the opening goal for Vancouver on the power play. Kind of a weak one off Tim Thomas's. I think it was his, his short side. Uh, yeah. Kind of a weird goal from Burroughs. Uh, Milan Lucci got Boston's first goal of the series in the second period of game two. Yeah, he did. Which, I mean... I'll go about it later on, but I mean, cool seeing Lucic, Lucic scoring in Vancouver and helping his team. Um, Mark Recchi gives Boston the lead two minutes, 30 seconds after the Lucic goal, which I believe that Recchi goal was like a weird, almost looked like a tip in from Char at the point, but almost kind of looked like it took a bounce in front of Luongo as well. But Recky gets mm, right. Recky gets yeah. It was like a weird fumbly play that kind of yeah. just kind of yeah. I, I remember watching the highlights of that. Yeah, right. It, it was just a weird play where Recky Recky gets credit with the goal, and he, I, I'm sure he does tip it. But it's like a weird tough mm-hmm. play for Luongo to make. Uh, mm-hmm. Daniel Sedin gets the tying goal in the third period uh, yeah. off a nice a nice pass from Alexander Burrows in the slot. Burrows with the nice little sweet pass over to his right to Sedin, who puts it home past yeah. Thomas. Oh, um, that's a great, great little set play. Um, again, that's, to me, iconic Daniel Sedin. In fact, funny funny thing is, Daniel totally whiffed on the puck. I'm not sure if you remember that. Yes, yes, he did. <laughs> he, like, he had, he had the whole, so here's the net. He had the whole open side, and he shoots it above Thomas's pad, Thomas, right Thomas should have made the save. Like Th- Thomas should have yeah. stopped that puck, but in no, a, in a, he shouldn't have. But no, but no, but with, with, with where Sedin shot that puck, with where with yes. where he where he 100%. placed it, Thomas should have probably made the save. But no, I agree with you there, hundred percent. It's uh, it's a shock that puck stayed. That, that puck went in the net. To be honest, but uh, tie game two two. Tie tie game two two, and then Burrows eleven seconds into overtime with the nice little fake on Thomas, and then oh, does the wraparound nasty. goal. It reminds me of the Kapanen goal in uh, the World Juniors to win a gold medal. Very, like, similar. A a nice little fake. Deeks the goalie. Um, I'm calling – so this next segment I want to call is the penny for your thought. So this is kind of some what-ifs, some questions from the series. So Burroughs bit Patrice Bergeron in game one. He gets no supplemental discipline for it. Burroughs is allowed to play for the rest of the series. If Burroughs is suspended for this game, if, mm-hmm. if for whatever he, he doesn't play game two, let's just I don't know how long maybe he gets a game suspension or, or if he doesn't play game two, do you think the Canucks win this game? No, I don't think so. Um, and not just for the fact that he scored two goals, he's such an important player, especially playing because he was on the line with Sedin at the time. And that you know, if some if one of the Bruins guys was to fuck with the Sedins, he's right there to step, you know, back him up, right? 
Mm-hmm. Kind of like, uh, I don't, I don't want to compare him to McSorley to Gretzky, but like in that sort of same kind of light, right? Yeah. That, in, that, in that sense. That protector, but someone also has a bit of skill and can finish. And Burroughs is just such a unique player that we've got a good blend of grit and skill and speed. And um, yeah, I, he had, again, he had three points. He, had, he was in on all three goals and I think he was plus two or plus one for the game maybe. Um, anyway, yeah, anyways, point like, point is no they don't win the game he's burrows is too important of a player in that game especially but overall in the whole series that um it's kind of like when you lose oh what's kind of like when you lose zach hyman from toronto mm-hmm. he's great kind of that comparison like you know you got city you got the city you got kessler you got you got bx you got ham used at the time you got um oh, chris, chris higgins another example mason, Ray- mason raymond by mason the way raymond, yeah um at, or Burroughs is that piece that you know you lose him it's like well now you gotta you gotta fuck with the lines a little bit and it just everyone gets out of sync he's like the, the glue kind of you know mm-hmm. yeah good glue guy um yeah I don't I don't think the Canucks win this game if there's no Burroughs it, it's just it's very tough to picture and imagine a, a way I mean even though they felt like they had quite a bit of momentum in this game it's still very tough to picture them um getting a win without Burroughs at least being yeah. a part of it. No, so. for sure. I agree. And again, he was such a huge performer in the whole playoffs for that matter. And, you know, you look at game seven in the first round and just not even just that there's those two performances, game two in the cup and game seven, in the first round, like overall playoffs, he was really, really solid. That, the whole run, the whole oh, run. For sure. No, for sure. Um, the other, the other question I have, or what if yeah. a penny for your thoughts Sure. Uh, how long do Maxime Lapierre and Rafi Torres last on a line together in 2021 before one <laughs> of them gets suspended or supplemental discipline? Like I'm watching this game and obviously those are the kind of players that they are and that's how they play and they're great for the finals. The yeah. They play on the edge and, and they try and push it to see how far they can get. How long in, the, in today's NHL, 10 years later sure. in 2021, how long are they lasting on a line together before one of them gets suspended? <sighs> um four games five games maybe and again it depends if it's the playoffs or not and i like they yes they are edge players i like to call um they definitely do play with an edge and they play on the edge and um it's five games four i said four games yeah i'm gonna say over over uh, over under four and a half games oh under four and a half games for sure um i think they're especially and also depends who they're playing against too like you know, you're going to see one of those guys take a healthy run at someone and catch him high um, in the head or, like, throw – if you put Kadri in the middle of that, under three games, guaranteed. <laughs> guaranteed. Um, no word on his um, suspension yet, but I'm going to assume he's getting suspended for his hit. As we record this, um, Colorado-St. Louis game two, he hit – was it Shen or Schwartz? I don't know who it was, but one of the Blues players. One of the Blues, yeah, he caught Paul. The kid took an absolute run and hit him in the head. Dirty hit. So, so you're saying like Torres and Lapierre just together, like they 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 wouldn't work. And then you throw Kadri on that line, and and it's gonna be like all over, like player discipline every week. In 2011, that would be one hell of a third line. Yes, but. In 2021, that's one hell of a suspendable line right there. So, 
Um, that's my uh, take for. Yeah, I I think SYP creator Keith, I was texting him about it, and he said like Torres would get another forty-two game suspension for something like knowing yep. knowing him, he's gonna get forty-two game for headbutting or somebody, anything. He'll yep. get a forty-two game suspension. Yeah. Um, Dave Bolin, best moments of the game. Again, I call it. I'm calling it Dave Bolin best moments for for this sure. game, uh, just for the fun and, and you know exciting parts of Dave Bolin's uh, Stanley Cup final career, where he got the game winning goal, I believe it was. Bickle got the tying goal against Boston, and then Bolin got the game winner. Bolin got the game winner. That's correct. Yeah, ripped his helmet off or his gloves off or his something. His gloves like off. Yeah. Um, I think the best moment in this game was one of the best moments, anyways, was Milan Lucic going in front of the home crowd in the second period. Yeah, I was gonna make a comment on that earlier, but glad you brought it back up again. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm sure Vancouver fans love that because I, I, I don't remember. It might have been during the finals, or it might have been after before. I'm not sure, but excuse me. Um, like I think it was. I remember hearing a story about him picking fights with a guy at a bar, just a random Vancouver. Yes. Um, and I'm like, yeah, this guy's kind of a dick. Being, he's from Vancouver, but... Former Vancouver Giant. <clears throat> well, that's my point. There you go. So yeah. um, he wasn't legal at the time. He couldn't go out and drink and stuff, but he probably did anyways. Um, but fact, yeah, fact is, Vancouver fans, I'm sure, loved that. And I think he gave like a, like a big fist bump celly, um to the crowd. And good for him. And big goal for the Bruins at the time. They, they need, that was the first goal of the series, right? Wasn't it? That was the first goal of the series game two, second period. Good for him and fitting. He does it on Vancouver ice. So I kind of want to have this kind of in-depth conversation about Lucic a little bit sure. because I like, like at the time, like I like Lucic and what he did at, at the time. Like, who he was as a player. Like, he he peaked with Boston. He had 60 points, I think, a couple seasons with the Bruins. Mm, um, yeah. I, I think he had it, He had his place in the game. Like, I think there there was the need for somebody like a Milan Lucic, even though he wasn't the most talented player and the game was going away from his kind of skills uh, and what he did. Like, was never that great of a skater. Never totally felt comfortable shooting the puck. You can say this about him now. But... Were you a Milan Lucic guy? Did you like Lucic? And, and did you, you know, think he was a good player at the time? You know, there were different players I liked on the Bruins more than him. Yeah. Uh, Bergeron, Krejci, um, Horton, Savard, um, Seidenberg. Um, I could keep going for days, but Bergeron and Krejci were two guys that I kind of looked up to on the Bruins. Mm-hmm. Outside of that, I didn't really like the Bruins, to be honest, even before the Canucks series. Um, Lucic has always played with an edge. I like Marshawn now. He's settled down. He plays with more skill, but he still plays with that bit of grit. Man, cut to Marshawn's hands. He's nasty. Um, I'm not a big Lucic guy, to be honest. He's just slow and like lethargic and... And it's yeah, quite yeah. it's quite noticeable in this series how slow and lethargic oh, and Bambi he is out on the ice. Absolutely. Again, effective player, and don't get me wrong, he's he's got a place in the game and put him with Horton and Krejci, which who he's with, two faster guys. Great, great, you know, third piece to that line. I might not really a fan of him myself, to be honest. I thought he made sense in Boston for what they wanted to do, oh, and how they absolutely. how they how they like to play. Absolutely. It kind of made sense in LA, but it was kind of also when it, it was a bad mix at the time with him going to LA because 
the team was obviously deteriorating and getting worse and falling off. He was also falling off. Yeah. Um, so they kind of just fell off together. Mm-hmm. I agree. And I then mean, he's playing, he's playing an, he plays an old school game in a new school sport. And that's yes. the thing is that he needs to work on his foot speed. And he just simply never had, never did. He's, he's no faster than he was 10 years ago, in my opinion. No, and, and I mean, he, they tried to make it work in Edmonton and it just didn't. Yep. Like, it, it just, like, that is kind of just who Milan Lucic is. That right. shit, like, you know what you're getting when you get Milan Lucic. And, oh, for sure, yeah. And, and it just, it, it was never really going to work, I think, like they were hoping or like they thought in Edmonton. And, and even in Calgary, it, it He's fine in Calgary. Probably shouldn't be a top six player. Probably well, he's, not. he's not. No, he, and not and, and and probably was a mistake to trade James Neal for him. But I mean, I think that's just kind of who he is, and I, I like him. I, I think I still kind of have a bit of stock in Milan Lucic, just as like what he can be, and. If you pay him the like, he's not a three or four million dollar player. He's like a one or two million dollar player, kind of with how today's NHL is. Yeah. Like I, if you put if you put him if you put him twenty thirty years ago and pl- and plop him into the NHL today, I think he's a, a, an extremely talented player. And oh, he's like a Darren McCartney. Darren McCartney, hot hot commodity essentially. Oh, for sure. And it, it's just. I'm with you there. It, it's just born a little too late. I'd agree with that. Um, one thing I have going for him is that he's number seventeen, and as you can tell, I'm a, that's my that's my number right there. So, um, yeah, that's, I, I a, that. that's his one saving grace for you. One saving grace for me. It's not. That's why I don't hate his guts. I like. Yeah. No, he's again. Like I said, he's a, he's an effective player, and he's good at what he does. I'm just not the biggest fan of him. So the other best moment I have from this game. Um, I don't try and go for all the, the goals and, and the cool stuff, but I sure. mean the Lucic one was pretty was pretty obvious. Uh, there's another one with Daniel Sedin getting airborne after making contact with Thomas oh. in the third period. I don't know if you saw that. Where I, know. I don't know I don't know what I don't know exactly what happened, but Sedin kind of just went into Thomas, and then he just kind of like went backwards, like head over heels type thing. I don't know why or, or how it. If you can find it, it's it's a really funny video. I'm just gonna. And, Oh yeah, here we go. Uh, that was game three, I think. No, it should have been game two. Not, have... not, the, not the Sadine getting punched. Not, not him getting punched, but like he like takes a bit of a tumble behind Thomas in the crease. Okay. Uh, uh, uh maybe. I'll, I'll show it to you later if you haven't seen yeah. it. Yeah. I'll show. I'll Anyways. pull it up for you later. But Anyways. I just I I wrote down and it honestly looked like me like tubing when my dad intentionally sent me through the wake he created 10 seconds earlier, like, you know, dad, like he creates the circle, like he creates the wake and it's like cool and all that. And then he just goes full speed into the wake and just like gives me like puts me 10 feet up in the air and I was not prepared (laughs) for it. And that probably relate that that probably speaks to who I am as a person now. Like when my dad was creating wakes for us to being on Okanagan Lake, um, Good times. That I thought was the best moment. Uh, worst moment, Steve Smith. Worst moment, Steve Smith, of course, is the Edmonton Oiler who put the puck in his own net in, in 1985, I believe it was, or 86 against the stick or uh, against the Flames. Um, Would have been the year they didn't win the cup. So yeah, 86. Yeah. 
86. 86, I think it was. Uh, yeah, Rich, Rich Peverly uh, with the stick to the midsection of Kevin BX in the third period. I don't know if you saw that, where I believe BX and Peverly were coming out of the corners, and Peverly just gave him the gourmet shot right to <laughs> Kevin BX. It was a really dirty play, and I don't know if Peverly got disciplined for it. And you can see BX is pissed at yeah, it. Six figures. And it's just like, yeah, it's a dirty play that didn't get called. But, you know, it's playoff hockey, so it goes on. So it's fine. It's play. If you did in the playoffs, it's cool. But in the regular season, it's probably yeah. like five grand. No, CBA max. Every, every, anything goes in the playoffs, right? Uh, yeah. Or it shouldn't, but it does. Anyways. Uh, the uh, other uh, – I don't know if it's the best or worst moment is Lapierre sticking his finger in Bergeron's face after the game one biting incident with Burroughs. Mm-hmm. I put it down as a worst moment. I don't know how you feel about the whole biting incident. It just kind of just feels like very childish and very like, I don't know, just yeah. immature if you ask un- me, but it's just unsportsmanlike to be honest. Like if, I, I don't know, it, it's hard to catch that, but if I was a referee, like it's really hard to catch, like, especially in a scrum when you can't see anything and, Remember, refs, referees aren't supposed to break up fights. It's a linesman job. So referees are supposed to see, you know, see the bigger picture and see who's causing the most shit. And a little poking, or was it like a poker, like finger in the face? That's gonna go unnoticed most of the time, especially in the playoffs, right? Um, and like, yeah, it's not great. It's immature. It's stupid. It's, unspo- it's nothing more than a two-minute unsportsmanlike. To be honest, it's like again, it's how I look at it, like. In a scrum, and this is my hawk. In a scrum, that's two minutes. That's four minutes. See you later. That's a fight. That's a game, right? So in the NHL, that's just that's just a scrum. Like guys don't do that all the time. It shouldn't happen, but it does. You do what you do. Get under an opponent's skin, and Maxim Lapierre is very good at that. Like you said, men- mentioned earlier, but just don't do it. I would never do it as a player. Don't do it. I would do that as a player, but again, as we talked about before, I am the guy who put up the three to the opposing bench uh, when I scored a hat trick in an exhibition game against his fellow Squamish hockey team. So I am that asshole, but I wouldn't be the asshole who like, also we had cages, so I guess we couldn't really do that, but I wouldn't be the asshole who like stuck my finger. Hey, your bro- your brother ripped down my, my uh, visor a couple years ago. That is true. He did actually do that. So um, you can do shit with cages on. It just you gotta pick your battles right, and he picked his battle right. That's for sure. He definitely did. Do you have another best or worst moment from this game that stood out to you? Um, let me, man, let me see. Alex Burroughs kept the fans happy in Vancouver. Yes. Um, that I think that overtime goal. Well, oh, okay. Two of the three, like the second goal by Sedin. That, that's just timeless. I, I, I always see that in clips of Daniel Sedin whenever they're like talking about him on TSN or sports center, like, or Sportsnet, Um, I always see clips of that for whatever reason. I'm like, okay, that's a down seeding goal. I was in the cup final. I remember that. And the Burroughs goal. Um, that was so, I don't know. That would, once that happened to me, it was like, we're going to win this series. There's no way we're not. And I remember like there was talk about, Oh, we won game round one in game seven, round two in six, in six games, yeah. three in game five. We won the first two. Let's sweep the Bruins in four and come and bring Cup back home to Vancouver. And that was the talk at the time. And um, man, I just 
Man, I think first week in June, I was in, I think we were both in grade four. Yeah, like, I just moved there. You would just, just move, yeah, I just moved, I just moved to Squamish. Your first year in Squamish. Um, man, that, the, the town was buzzing. Let me tell you that for free. I don't. No, I we just, were grade six. Sorry, we were grade six. That's a no, lot. we were grade four. 2011, dude, grade six. Dude, 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 do the, do the math. Might have been game, grade five. Grade five, I think it was. No, grade five was the Olympics. 2010. No, grade four was the Olympics. Oh, you're right. Yes, you're right. Yeah. So, sorry, I'm wrong. We're both wrong, but it's grade five. Yeah, you may want to edit that up later. Yeah, I probably will. Um, so, with that being said, um, the, the Burroughs go is obviously a big one. Yeah. Um, I guess to top it off with Burroughs, because he's kind of the big pitcher guy here. He, he, he was yeah. a big contributor in this game. He was a story of game two. He was a story like, of game story of game two. He must, been, he must have been the first star. Yeah, he was the first star of the game. Cool. Um do you, how do I put do you do you, this is the peak of Alex Burroughs? Like I don't think there's anything bigger or better for Alex Burroughs than his game two performance. Probably not, to be honest. No, this is probably the best. I mean, this was to the t- at the time actually, whatever the best Alex Burrows we'd ever seen was the 2011 playoffs, mm-hmm. without a doubt. But you could say that about a lot of Canucks. You say that about Kessler. You say that about well the Sedins maybe. Um, you could say that about Luongo yeah, maybe. Luongo maybe Bieksa. Um, a bunch of guys you could say like that was their peak, and Burrows is no exception there. He was an absolute stud in in the playoffs and especially game two. So. Um. Final, final thing that I have marked down is Pierre Maguire NBC mic checks because um, at least I was watching the NBC feed for this game. Of course. Again, you. not a whole lot. Like there's a little kind of few tidbits here and there, but my favorite part, my favorite NBC mic check, yep. uh, was the entire Rugby Sevens Collegiate Championship uh, ad promo that they did at the 127 mark of the second period. So, so pretty much they come back from commercial, right? The NBC crew comes back from commercial. Sure. Uh, and Doc Emmerich says, battle it, you know, says this thing and, you know, battle it out literally at the Rugby Sevens Collegiate Championship tomorrow, 4 p.m. Eastern on NBC. And it, he, he names off all the colleges, like the Notre Dame's, uh, Cal, Stanford, Utah, all this shit. Um, sure. Doc Emmerich then follows up. It's like, yeah, you know, it's a rough, rough game to which Eddie Olchek, <laughs> Eddie, Eddie Olchek follows up with, you know, I think they enjoyed game one, a few scrums up to this point. Like he says scrums, like, you know, like, you know, he's trying to make the point, like, you know, the scrums in rock, rugby scrums and hockey, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and then Pierre, <laughs> Pierre McGuire says, there are some interesting terms in that sport. Guys that are fast and play on the outside are called hookers, uh, which is not true. That's not true by Pierre Maguire. Hookers are right. like the middle row forwards, like the number two forward, like right in the middle. Hookers do not play on the outside. Like they throw the line out, but they don't have, their position is not actually lined up on the outside. It's lined right. up in the middle. Hookers are always in the mix, right? Ian? Yes, yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> hookers are always in the mix, but no. You would, you would know, right? I would know. I, I'm I'm in the mix with hookers all the time. No. Yeah, of course. But there are some interesting terms in that sport. Guys that are fast and play on the outside are called hookers. 
awkward silence, and then Doc Emmerich goes back to calling the game. Classic. Um, actually, it's funny that Pierre said that. There was um, what was it? There was um, when I was in minor hockey, one of yes. our coaches made a. Uh, it's actually a hilarious reference. Like he compared like defensemen, centermen, and wingers as to like roles in like society, right? So sure. defensemen, defensemen and centers were like like guys that had girlfriends that stayed at home that were like that were behaved good, like the good people. men, good men. Yeah, good men. Yeah, exactly. Um, and you know, th- you know, they would you know help out around the house and like they're really tidy in the defensive zone, like the house, the defensive zone, right? So. And then wingers, funny you mentioned hookers are the wing or the outside players. So wingers were the, uh, the guys that were absolute nuts. So they'd go out, they'd go out and, you know, they'd be aggressive. They'd be, you know, go out and make, make moves and, you know, be aggressive in the offensive zone and, you know, get dirty, get dirty, yeah, get dirty, get it, get into it. And um, yeah. And at the time, I think I, I had a girlfriend and I was, I, I, I was a winger on my team and, uh, I was like, yeah, it doesn't really quite fit me well, but I'll, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll make it, make it work. So anyone that listens to this podcast and knows what I'm talking about, you know, you know what I'm saying? It's uh wingers play aggressive, play dirty centers, stay home and, you know, hang out with the girl. So be yeah. the better, be the better man, be the better man. There you go. So um, that's all I got for game two. Obviously like the, there's the Burroughs two goals, uh, the Lucic and Recchi goal, the obviously nice Sedine goal, not, nice or nice, you know, nice or not nice. Um, nice play, shitty shot. Nice play, shitty shot. Um, obviously Tim Thomas and Roberto Luongo had another spectacular game in this series, both goaltenders terrific up to this point. Um, any other final takeaways or thoughts in this game? Like I said, I think I might have mentioned this briefly earlier. Game two was like kind of the point where I was sitting there. I'm like, the Canucks might win this in four games. This is this is a destiny game. This, you know when yeah. we we, we talked we talked about this I think in game one, where at least we've talked about it in general. Where when you're a championship team or where you go on a championship run, mm-hmm. you have these like moments of destiny. Like you have the Burrow slaying the dragon. You have the Bieksa goal against San Jose. Uh, yeah. You had the Torres goal in game one. Like you have these moments yeah. of destiny that yeah. like you kind of feel like okay we're gonna you know with these you know big moments like this is what's gonna you know help us go to a championship yeah. and win a championship i don't know if that's what the burrows goal in game two overtime was but you started getting the sense like this could happen like this really actually might happen no for real um and now i think to your point i wouldn't say it was like a destiny goal per se but it was definitely a goal that really influenced how the we thought the rest of the series could go or would go. And I r- truly believe that the Canucks would take one, one of the games in Boston and either win it on home soil in game five or win it in game six back in Boston. It just, yeah. For whatever reason, it doesn't happen. It just didn't happen. And I'm sure as you get to, into th- games three, four, five, six, and seven, um, we will dive into that further. So. Yeah, but game two was was a memorable one without a doubt, and um, yeah. Game two was fun. The Maholcha story was cool. The Lucic story was cool. Um, the Burroughs, Burroughs kind of being a heel type moment was was you know like in wrestling, like the bad guy in wrestling, like yeah. that was kind that was kind of a, a cool moment. 
Yep. Um, and then it's just amazing how the rest of the series just 180, complete 180 after well, after well, game two. Um, well, the Bruins won four or five the next, right? Well, so, well I was going to say, yeah. Yeah, you'll get into that in future pods. And whoever is on to talk about game three, I'm, I hope you're bringing up Bruins fan because they're going to love talking about that. They're, they're going to they're gonna be more ecstatic than a Canucks fan. Oh, um, Scott, thank you very much for taking the time to do this. As always, it, it's great when we get to do this. Uh, be sure to keep on the lookout for game three. Uh, that podcast will come out on June 6th. And then game four podcast will come out on June 8th. So game three, June 6th, game four, June 8th. Be on the lookout for those podcasts coming out. Thank you very much for listening. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. You know where to find our stuff. You can listen to us on Apple, uh, uh, Spotify, watch us on YouTube, check out the website, check us out on Instagram. You know where to follow us. Thank you very much for listening. Peace out.